Yes, yes. Welcome to another episode of Views from the Box. And I think this is this is the first Views from a Box in a while that we're recording with Liverpool top of the table. How are you saying, Nana? <laughs> Took you a while to respond there, but don't worry, we won't delve into Arsenal just yet. Let's start with the early kickoff, Liverpool versus Palace. And look, listen, I'll be real. First 76 minutes, who are the second best team on that pitch? The result, what was the scoreline match, the performance? We deserve to lose. We got Lady Luck and we took advantage of it. I can just commend the boys with the mentality, with the experience. 16 games played. We're not playing that great, but to be top of the league, I'll take it. What did you think of the game and Liverpool's performance? Well, all I'm saying is that FSG are cheapskates. Salah should be on half a million a week and, and Alisson should be the highest paid keeper in the world. You know, Alisson, I see if you guys on five to six goals, son. Yeah, wow. I, I watch Alisson every week. He's the best keeper I've ever seen in the Premier League. Only keeper oh. that's better than him is Manuel Neuer. 100%. Right, we look back in all time, yeah, top two, fam. Obviously, if Liverpool had done more in terms of like accolades and trophies, yeah. He'd be regarded as, yeah. as same with Brazil yeah. as well. Yeah, 100, 100. It's unfortunate he grew up in a generation of Brazil where, whereby they're shit. Yeah, where they're just choking. Like, bro, how can Neymar score that goal against Croatia in the second half of extra time when you get done on the counter-attack? Because because Brazilian coaches don't know nothing about stru- um, um, defensive structure from All they know is Jogo Benito from Isn't that what these um, football purists want? Aesthetics or, or, or substance. And the reason why Neymar ain't got no international accolade to his name from I'm lucky that he got injured before that Copa America 2019. That broken my tassel, unfortunate. But at end, end of the day, if you don't respect the off-ball stuff, he ain't going to win much. And that's been the case with Brazil since pff, God knows. I'm on the World Cup in 02. Yes, they've won um, Copa Americas here and there, but for Brazil, the bread and butter is the World Cup, and it's been 20 plus years, 21. As a bear minded, there haven't been a, a European side in a knockout, in a, in, in a knockout competition since 2006 or something this is crazy they haven't been on European side of knockout here for over I 10 years I think it's since 02 since they beat uh, Germany in the yeah. World yeah they haven't been on European side in the World Cup knockout so yeah for Brazil yeah their situation is a bit peak right now like it's a bit peak it's a bit peak but that's the conversation for another, for another day yeah but now circling back to Liverpool like what did you think of the game and what do you think like for what you've seen after 16 games what do you think of Liverpool's chances because we're in the title race whether we like yeah, of course, of course. like before I quite delve into it, this is Pete Barkley's fan. Whereby yeah, the halfway point year, the teams fan for the tower are, are between 42 to 45 points. No one's in the high 50s. Everyone's just all bunched up together. And the team that, that performs best in the second half of the season year goes and collects the title. So th- that being said, I think 90 whoever gets 90 points for the first time since Pepper's been in this league, 90 points will guarantee you the, the title fan. That's, That's a good thing. And I think it's even going to be lower than that. If I'm potentially, being... yeah, because even back in the day, it was high 80s to 90, 90, but 90 guaranteed the title, and high 80s was like you're in the shop. So it's back to the olden days, just for this season. Now, I, f- I fully agree. And when you say Pete Barclays, we're getting games that look like Pete Barclays. Like t- Luton had played the top three, well, the three best teams in the Premier League, and it was a slog for all three of them. Yes, granted, Arsenal got the late winner in the week, City won today, but. You remember when people used to say no game is easy? It's looking like that this season because right. bro, like, every away game is a slug, no matter who you are from. Newcastle have only won one away game this season. You guys only got your first clean sheet away from home on Wednesday night, like Wednesday yeah, night. Like the league, yeah. Every man, every team 
carries a transitional threat of certain especially, especially, especially when they're playing at home. Yeah, like it's, it's literally Pete Barkley's now. Pete Barkley's, bro. Because even back in the day, teams that won the league, yeah, they'd win what 10 to 13 away games. Even back then, I also had the record for most away games won until City won 16 games away from home in that oh, season. Uh, that season, when basically the 0 2 season, we had 14 wins away from home, five draws, one beaten away from home. And so, also, uh, a quick, quick fact you know that there's only been two teams to accumulate 50 or more points in the second half of the season. City and who? Arsenal, 0-1-0-2. We entered the second half of the season, yeah, with 36 points. We got 51 in the second half of the season. 16 wins, 3 draws. Fair play, but... We say Pete Barkley's, but do you think that excuses Liverpool's performance on Saturday? Because for the first oh, time... Oh, 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 I'm, that's an excuse for performance. That's an excuse for performance. Because back then, yeah, teams were... I think those... I don't know, compare this title race to what we've been seeing back in the day. I think there's not much difference because back then there was always that one team that were bright, but this year all three teams that are in the title race here have their own little issues that they have to solve. And whoever best solves the issues will, will do the job in the end. So in terms of quality, in terms of how teams are how well the teams are playing, I'll probably say it's less than what we'd seen back in the day because there's only one team that was doing very well. But now yeah, it seems like all three teams are just feeling each other out, trying to see, cool, how can we, what, what can we improve to, you know, put ourselves in the driving seat. And for Liverpool, as you said, yeah, just had, just getting the six won't solve your problems because even when you have Fabino in his final season, whereby he was good, the season whereby you're going for quadruple, Alisson was still working overtime. So, as you said before, there are still some structural issues here that you're going to have to solve bar getting a, a, a DM. So, I don't know what, how Cook can fix that so that you guys can get back to your 2018 to 2020 levels off the ball, whereby you barely gave teams a sniff. I don't know what Klopp has to do differently to get back to that level, but you can tell me, like, like for you, what, what should Klopp do here, tactically or structurally, to get you guys back to that 2018, 2020 level of defensive structure and shape? He needs to shout his PED's doctor because we need a desperate re-up. <laughs> he needs to get dual machines. I feel like what breaks Liverpool down is they won't win one duel and all of a sudden we're out of possession and then just one pass through the middle, they're running at us. So I don't think that's going to change because the way we press and the way we attack, if we lose the ball defensively, we're not that great. If we have, if we had someone like a Declan Rice, we'd look a lot better because he's a dual machine and he can cover a lot of ground. So we need to get that. I'm thinking in January, just go and get Jao Polinia, put him in DM, and when we build up one creative player in a double pivot, so like a Trent and a Polinia, so Trent can float and Polinia can cover the space. That's what we need to do. But another thing that needs to happen with this Liverpool team. Players need to get into form. In terms of like actual performances, I'd say the only players in form are Allison, Trent, and Van Dyke. Three defensive players. Our midfield and our attack are quite inconsistent. It's crazy because every week you'd ask a Liverpool fan what the lineup should be, and it always changes because the game before a substitute might have come on and won us the game. So like this weekend it was Harvey Elliott, who's been a super sub all season. But people say Harvey Elliott would need to start against United. He might not play well. So it's like comes off the bench, he plays well. So yes, it's good that we've done this well after 16 games. But like you said, it's looking like, and it is, whoever performs better in the second half of the season wins this league. 
and consistency wins it in the second half of the season. That's where all these 14-game, 15-game runs are done. That's when you play the big teams in the crunch time. So players need to step up. Salah's getting his goals and assists, so you can't really... Also, like, he's 32 from, like, he's basically in his Ronaldo state, just just productivity. So you can't really get onto him, but your Darwin Nunes, your Luis Diaz, your Sobosalize, your Gravin Birch, these players, talented players, but they need to be playing well consistently. They need to be giving our 70 out of 10. Yeah, they're beating big leagues now. You're not playing for Benfica, Porto, Leipzig no more. Uh, do, you, do you think Liverpool also suffering the same thing Man City have been suffering with, like, replacing literally, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Exceptional players who were at their peak when you guys were doing your thing. For example, Mane, um, even Vinaldum, um, Henderson, to, to a certain, certain, certain extent, he was always part of that 2018 to 2020 team that you guys were doing so well. I know, I know what you mean, and I fully agree. Um, it's hard to do it, and for us, it's even harder than City because City at least have been replenishing their team. So now you're looking at City; they've missed Rodri for like what three games of the season. Three of the four losses have been when Rodri hasn't been here. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Then they are missing Kevin De Bruyne, but. They don't miss them that much because they've always been replenishing the team. From when they won 100 points, I got Erling Haaland, who's in the team, uh, Julian Alvarez, R- Rodri, um, Akanji, Ake, Gavardio, all these players. With Liverpool, we're finding that hard. You're just seeing now we have a completely new midfield and we're kind of suffering from that. So Liverpool have to make sure that they make up for lost time starting in January. But I don't, I don't trust, I don't trust our board. I don't trust the whole transfer team. But if they were serious, you get Jao Polina and you try and scoop a defender from somewhere. Also, could you say that um, Van Dijk and, you know, Robo and Salah being the wrong side of 30 also plays a role into why you guys are struggling to, you know, get back to that 2018-2020 level? Because at that time, they were at their physical peak. And oh. now they're, they're having to manage their physical levels. They, they can't be as intense as they used to be. I'll, I'll say it is for a player like Robbo because you can clearly see it in the way he plays. He's a completely different player to how he was when we were first going for the league. Well, Virgil van Dijk, he's still, at the moment, he's performing at the best centre-back in the world level at the minute. He's carrying our defence, winning duels, winning headers. Hey, he's doing what he can with that, what the ACL took away from him. He's doing yeah. what he can. So I don't think we're suffering with him because his level is still high. Salah... Hey. His all-round play might not be the best, but he's getting goals, he's getting assists, and he's doing that week in, week out. So that can be allowed. But I'll say for players like Robbo, his age does affect him 100%. And that's why moving forward, that left-back position is something that needs to be dealt with. Because it's crazy you mentioned Mane. Back in the day when Liverpool were attacking, attack down the right, you had the... Trent, Hendo, Salah, Triangle, that was dangerous. But down the left, you had Ronaldo, Mane and uh, Robbo, which are also a threat. At the minute now, our left-hand side is pretty poor, if we're being honest. Mm-hmm. Diaz is not that much of a threat. Simikas is a huge drop-down to Robbo, and Robbo's levels now is has dropped from his peak. So there's a lot of issues Liverpool need to solve, but it's good that we need to solve a lot of issues and we're top of the league. It's a good position to be in. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's a good position that you're, 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 you're basically all three teams are going to go into the second of the season in control of their destiny. Yeah. yeah, and I feel like with the way the league, the way we are now, and the way the fixtures are coming up, 
Liverpool can control the destiny. Because if Liverpool win the next two games, we have a four-point gap on you and City. Yeah, yeah, 100%. 100%, 100%. And that's a gap that needs to be controlled. Obviously, I'm not going to say that we're going to go on and win all our games. But getting a gap early is better than is is the best thing you can do. Just control it and see what happens. But <laughs> let's see. Yeah, 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 100%, 100%, 100%. But, but, yeah, but look, listen, let's, 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 let's go to the big elephant in the room. Arsenal lost to Aston Villa. Villa's unbeaten home record stretches to 15 games, 15 wins on the trot. No matter what you say about them, that's impressive. Liverpool City, I'm, I'm not sure they did that when they were getting 97, 98 points. You, you guys had a couple of draws in there. It was, it was an unbeaten run, but it wasn't like yeah. win, win, win. And they, they were sick teams. So Villa, big up them. Big up what Una Emery is doing over there. Big up their players. But I'm going to also beat City in the week because we didn't cover that during the week. They also beat City. To beat City, Arsenal, and not concede in the space of, what, three days? You have to commend that. But look, that's... I couldn't believe you didn't win that game. Uh, Before we get on to the refs, Chat to me about some of your players because a lot of your big players let you down. And for me, yes, I know yeah, the ref messed up and everything. But I feel like when the dust settles, that's something Arsenal fans need to look at deeply because big players letting you down at crucial moments is what has caused Arsenal in the last two seasons. You shouldn't be in the Champions League a season earlier and you really should be league champions right now. Yeah, 100%. Like, yeah, it's this game, yeah. <clears throat> It's crazy Havertz has been getting the most stick out of attacks this season, but he was our best attacker yesterday, yeah. running into space, creating chances, had a goal controversially ruled out at the end. Like yesterday was just annoying because we had four big chances, all four got missed. And the rule is if you get big chances in the game, especially if it's two or three, you have to convert at least one. And then, then from there, yeah, whatever whatever it comes to, you make the most of it. Yesterday, all we had to do was score once and would have hit them for two, three, or four. My honest opinion, because apart from the great move that they had at the start that they scored from, they didn't do much all game. Half chances here and there. Apart from that, we controlled the transition really well. The biggest thing that pissed me yesterday here was the amount of times we could have played Havertz when we sending it in over the top and be one on one here, but we chose to recycle the ball. That's what pissed me off the most yesterday. Zinchenko, Odegaard, you are the primary ball handlers in our team. Like Rice has locked down the defense, as in like he's doing his bit off the ball. But you guys, you had a platform to create, even though we created lots of chances here, but we could have run up the numbers in terms of chances created yesterday. And even even after that, the finishing was poor. Saka had had a big chance. He missed a chance before Villa scored anyway. Odegaard, uncharacteristically, was putting the ball wide from his old zone. Especially that second half chance from um, Havertz, Havertz created. Literally, open net, he put it wide for him. He put it wide. Jesus, great cross from Saka, poor touch. A touch, just one touch to put you in, in on goal. The touch brings him back. Martinelli had had the most space. Well, work with, but... His decision making let him down. Hmm? Martinelli's decision making let him down. Yeah, yeah. Positions, threatening positions where he just got tackled. To be fair, big up as we can I think he was also part of the reason why you couldn't get. Right, Conza played well, but Martinelli a, a couple of touches here were so poor. Oh no, diabolically poor. And Conda did well to take advantage of it. But he also did a lot of good interceptions. There was a lot of passes that Uman tried to play into Martinelli that he did he dealt with. But Martinelli's decision making and this his performances great. this season 
has not been that great. And the 16 games in, this is not just a solid season. This is a nearly 50% of the season. And certain man, Martinelli, Martin Odegaard, are performing below par. And they need to step up if you guys are going to win the league. Yeah, because you can see right often we're missing that pizzazz. Obviously, Saka is doing his <clears> bit. Obviously, Saka hasn't hit top form yet, but I prefer for Saka to peak later in the season, to my honest opinion. So, what he's doing right now, I'm comfy with it. Just peak later in the season, you're still getting your numbers, that's fine. But Odegaard, Martinelli, I need more. Obviously, last couple of games, Odegaard's performance has been better. But one thing that's pissed me off about Odegaard lately, um, last two games here, fair enough, the off day can happen in front of goal is what it is. But one thing I cannot stand here is pulling out 50-50s. The amount of times he pulled out 50-50s here yesterday and even on Wednesday, on Tuesday night. Bro, that's what I said in the DMs. And I said it earlier on, I forgot which game it was. I think it was the Spurs game. The space behind Odegaard in transition is something that Arsenal need to be wary of. Because in transition, he is not good. Yeah, he's not good. Like, what's even hard is like, start of last season, it wasn't that bad for him. Well, much more, like his side, of, his side of the midfield year, not much, like he was getting stuck in, bro. Like mashing work off the ball, and also breaking forward. But this season, I don't know what's up with him in terms of his dueling. Obviously, he wasn't the best dueler before, but he would get in, would get stuck in and put in hard graft. Obviously, yes, away from you, Lusam. Yes, but, he running away from them. Fam, like, I understand that. Not, you, won't, you won't win every duel. It is what it is, yeah. But when you're pulling out duels, yeah, you're not even competing for them. Like, come on. Come and on. Also, captain pulling out duels in the Prem. Nah, Fam. Nah. Like, even Havertz, even Havertz was getting stuck in. Havertz has, has this record. Like Havertz has his reputation of being softer, but he was getting stuck in breath. Havertz was matching what yesterday, fam. Well, fact, um, yes, yesterday is the best I've seen Havertz play. Yeah, last couple of games here, he's arrived at a point. Remember, I said my beef Havertz was wasn't doing anything with conviction. He was, you know, too relaxed, like today's accord, moving like a, a pussy on the ball. But now he, he's driving with the ball. He's trying to make stuff happen, fam. Like I love that from him. So continue that, man. Continue that because right now. He's he's he's, get, he's he's making good progress. He's making good progress. I'll go, I'll go for him that because I started. He was looking spooky, but now yeah, he's kind of spooky. But I also have to call a spade a spade. When I was getting on to him, my criticism was loud. My disrespect was loud. I have to give him the praise. Last couple of games, he has been good against Luton. He was decent getting that goal against yesterday against Villa. He was your most threatening attacker. Yeah. He was arguably your best player on the pitch. Not even arguably, he was your best. Yeah, player. And when you are going to a tough away ground, players who step up in those situations you have to give them credit now it's for him to do that consistently because like I said he's not playing for Chelsea who are fighting for nothing yes I know they won the Champions League but this Arsenal going for the league against Pep City also this is his final chance at a top club because if he falls at Arsenal he's done at the top level he's back in Bundesliga on on a loan deal to to Leverkusen or some shit like that so for him yeah this cannot be a flash in the pan like it was at Chelsea. When remember those days, have us have a good run of form. You're thinking, okay, it's finally clicked. Now, yeah, you better continue that because you're in a good trajectory, and it will be a shame to go back to square one a few games from now. It will be pointless. So, hopefully, it continues. But yeah, man, back to the game. Arsenal, Arsenal. Fact of the matter is, it eighty nine percent of the reason why we lost yesterday because we were wasteful in the final third. Because Villa, you were playing a high line. I don't understand why they're playing a the high line. Because I thought Emery's gonna sit deep, you know, make it turgid. Mm-hmm. You you forced them to sit, sit deep later on, but I was shocked as well. I think he was trying to. I think what he didn't want was for you guys to play through them, but then what it allowed you guys to do when you finally clocked it. It took you a while for you guys to actually take advantage of it. 
just balls in behind and timing the run you're in. Even then, yeah, the runs weren't timed properly. They weren't timed properly. Or the passes weren't timed properly as well. Yeah, like, it, was just, it was just very annoying. Very, very annoying, man. Because on the end of the day, we could play the game, simulate that game 10 times. We win eight times out of 10, bruv. Yesterday was just abnormally poor. And it cannot happen again, bruv. Because against Newcastle, we didn't do enough to win, but we did enough to draw. Yeah, you didn't, you didn't create chances there. So, so even even though yes, it was controversial, the Newcastle one, it's like yeah, we didn't do ourselves any favors. But yesterday, you created enough chances to win that game. Moving forward, what do Arsenal need to do in terms of playing or in the market to win the league or to give themselves the best chance of winning the league? Because bear in mind, you're going to the Champions League quarterfinals. You're going to have weeks where you're playing a big Champions League game during the week and a big Premier League game during the week. So what do you guys need to do? You know, not, not, not what our biggest issue right now is here. You see injury-prone players here, they put stress on other players. You know why? Players that could be, that could be getting rest, their rotation is injured for them. ESR, Partey, Tomiyasu. Three injury-prone players from who should be getting minutes. Yesterday was a perfect game for Partey. How how well his highline was going was a perfect for someone to go crazy with the spamming balls in behind him. Perfect game for him. Even ESR runs off the ball. Little those little pockets he picks up when he's on it. Perfect game for him. Yesterday, Tomiyasu could have been a game for you, but Zini had to come and play. Or even Ben White didn't look good at all. Like yeah, anybody's oh. a bit of goal. Very, last last couple of games he's been very poor, and that's why having bodies around it is good because yesterday, yeah, fair enough was a great move by Villa. Great move, but. Why? Are you, how is McGinn getting that much time to turn in the box? It's not like he's some skillful yeah, top player. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking as well. Ben Michael have done a lot better to close him down. Like, like McGinn is not this top shooter, amazing attacker. If you close him down, you're more often than not, he's spamming that over the bar for him because he got the composure. So what you're saying, you're saying that for you guys to have a better chance, your injury-prone players actually need to stay fit second half of the season. They have to contribute because we can we can we can go even that is even affecting our moves in the market. We're having to, you know, spend money on, on a defender when that could have gone to an attacker because Tomiyasu is injury prone and he's off to the Asia Cup in Jan. When that the funds could have, could have gone towards an attacker. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's fucking us both ways, bro. Because now you're thinking, okay, we could do with a a, a more trans, a bigger transitional threat in behind so that in case Martinez is not on it yet, we have someone to, you know, take his place and offer something that's the same or, or, or even more. But we're having to prioritise where the injuries are and it's going to affect us. Quote, at most, we can only get two signings. It's either defence and attacker or defence and midfielder. And even that, for that to happen, yeah, we have to let some bodies go, man. Eddie, Nelson, ESR, Vieira. In the next six months, yeah, I don't see a future for some of these guys because how is it you're not able to contribute anything to the team? Like, you're costing the team longer because Ben White could do the rest, but Tommy's injured. Timbo's an unfortunate freak injury, ACO. Nothing you can do about that. Partey, games whereby... You could have been useful. We can't even use you because you're injured in training, bro. Also, in game. It's also forcing you to play players like Jorginho as well, which brings down the level of your team. You saw his performance at Stamford Bridge. Yeah, to be fair, he's third choice, bro. You can't even expect more from him. He's meant to be a third choice DM. No, but, no, but that's what I mean. Part of I know. That, so. Yeah, yeah, also ESR as well. Which is space. Like, what what, what, what has this guy contributed in the last 18 months apart from being in the treatment room, bro? Like, we could say Arsenal can make signings here, but. A couple of these guys need to actually contribute. You need everyone to contribute. Look at Man City. When it gets to crunch time, everyone's contributing. Even, even now, I'm happy you said Man City because I wanted to segue to them. Even now, 
the players are contributing. Look at the team today. Yes, you can say they spend money. No Erling Haaland, no Kevin De Bruyne, and they still beat Luton Town. Yeah, because also, also, Man City, a comparison here, they realistically only have one injury form player, which is John Stones. KDB is old anyway, so he will get niggles here and there. He needs to make it managed. Um, is there anyone missing that injury form for Man City? No, that springs to the top of my head. But the thing is, they have at least two players for each position, so players are not getting stressed at all. And, uh, and and as I said, our, our rotation players who are meant to be taking a load of the stars are the ones getting injured for him. You see where the issue is for, for Arteta right now is? Yeah. He has rotation players who are either not contributing in terms of performances or guys who are just never available. So it's putting stress on the starting lineup. So in January, like, we, we, we're in a tight position, a massive tight position because we're going to have to prioritise signings in certain positions over positions that could have that could improve us. So it's, it's long, man. It's jarring. Ideally, I'd go for a defender and... Uh, an attacker and let go of some players, but I think we're gonna, we're gonna make only one signing, which is probably gonna be a defender, in my honest opinion. Now that's that that's fair enough. Before before we move to be fair, we can include City onto this because the question involves them. City play next week. I'm, I think they play Crystal Palace, and that's the last game until December twenty third when Liverpool play Arsenal because they're going for the Club World Cup. This is probably the first time since one oh eight oh nine when a team is going to a Club World Cup and they're challenging for the league, but also Liverpool um, when we won it, but it wasn't really a title race then. Yeah, you guys had wrapped up by game week 16, bro. This is a big... This could potentially be a big period for the league because, yes, City are going to have games in hand, but you guys are playing Brighton and Liverpool. If you win both games, you build up a gap on City. Yes, it's games in hand, but if you beat City you get that gap back. So, for Liverpool and Arsenal, the next two games could, I'm not saying it is going to be crucial, could potentially be crucial. That neither team can afford to lose in, a, in, in the remaining games toward the halfway point. We've got three games up until... But we play each other, so one... So, the best case scenario for both of us... Seven points. Seven points, but really and truly, both of us... I think seven points would be perfect for Arsenal because you're coming to Anfield. So to get a point to Anfield, yeah, yeah. but for Liverpool's point of view, nine points would be crucial. So if if both teams can achieve that, it puts them in a good position in the second half of the season. So basically, the main thing is yeah, neither of us want to go into the second half of the season yeah, behind Man City because they've dropped um, a boatload of points in the last four games. Like this is the most points Man City ever dropped this season. Let's yeah. get out there. So if any of us go into second half of the season behind Man City, even by a point, forget about the title, fam. Yeah, you've messed up. You need you need to take advantage of this because gifts. they're already at the lowest. Yeah, gifts like this don't come about often. Yeah, because their maximum they can get by a game with nineteen is forty two, and that's what they had at the halfway point of last season. So if you fall below that, it's long, bro. It's like back in the day whereby teams were dropping, were dropping silly points. City don't drop silly points in second half of the season. The only time, the only time they drop points is when the title is wrapped up. Yep. So it's important for either of us to not go into the second half of the season a point behind or even below City Fem. Basically, scenario, match them in points so that that way both of you are starting on zero. It's just about gas boss. Exactly. Like but, I said, we have a gap on City, and this is a chance for both of us to build that gap on City. Yes, with, it'll be an artificial one, but build it and control it. So yeah. let, let's see what happens. Before, before we move on, 
you asked me a question last week that I actually want to, or two weeks ago, that I actually want to throw back to you. Like you mentioned, this is the most amount of points City have dropped. We don't expect City to drop these amount of points, but that's because we expect Pep to come up with his yearly tactical tweak. What do you think Pep can do now with the players he has at his disposal to control transitions and to create a bucket load of chances? Mm. So last season, that, that change was yeah, Stones inverting the midfield with um, Rodri and they had Gundogan, who's who just a top controller. I think for them, yeah, they won't get the peak of their system last season because Gundogan was just amazing. So the options are Kovacic and Nunes. And let, let's be honest here, they, they don't hold a candle to Gundogan, fam. Let's be honest. So the main, main thing I can say is uh, attack is the best form of defence. The point can see a lot more goals in last season, but just blow teams away. And to be fair, you can trust City to do that, especially yeah. when you're in Holland. You can trust City to blow teams away. But look, let's let's see what happens. Before but basically, the, oh, what a bit weaker in last season. There's slight chink in the armor, but I think also depends on how well KDB comes back because that was a serious hamstring injury. And I think we saw KDB saying that this injury is different from any injury he's had. And his, his no, don't, 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 <laughs> that pump fake, man. Don't believe that pump fake, man. Don't, don't fall for it, bro. Because he'll say that and then he'll come back 10 games, 10 goals, five assists. And then you'll be like, raw. Yeah, basically, if KDB comes back firing like he, like, like, like nothing happened, that second of the season, yeah, is oppression, fam. It's, it's, it's going to be a grind every week. Oh no, 100% is going to be. But look, listen, this is what we wanted. Last season, we were saying Liverpool need to step up for a three-horse race. Well, now it's looking like we're going to get a three-horse race. Hopefully, this can last for the next eight to ten game weeks. So, let's see. Before we round up, I actually wanted to ask you something. I was thinking about this. This week could, this week could be a season-defining week for both Newcastle and Manchester United. They both have the Champions League game, Newcastle playing Milan, United playing Bayern Munich. They can both go out, they can both go through. And then United are playing um, Liverpool uh, away from home. Newcastle are falling down the league. They made the Champions League last season. If they get knocked out and they lose again on the weekend, they just fall further and further behind top four. And that can pile on low-key pressure on Eddie Howe. What do you think of both teams' chances? Well, to be fair, I'm not even trying to be arrogant, but United are gonna are gonna hold it next weekend. But what do you think of United's uh, chance in the in, on Wednesday uh, and Newcastle as well? We're not gonna talk about them losing four 0 to Bournemouth, but it needs to be mentioned. Uh, man, Bayern just lost five one over the weekend. Two shots not letting that game go. So Kane is leaving with, with a brace, so probably a hat trick for him. They're getting rolled up by OT, bro. Like they, they they should forget about Copenhagen and guys. That's why I dropping points. Man. They ain't getting the win, fam. Bayern are coming in off a loss. They're going to spank United, fam. They're going to spread United's cheeks. Like it's nothing, bro. And as for Newcastle and Milan, that game can go either way, 50-50. But I think as I think if PSG beat Dortmund, did they free anyway? Yeah, true. So it's the fans. Yeah, so also for Newcastle, I don't think Eddie Howe should be under pressure, man. Because last season, they just took advantage of Liverpool having a bad season. True. And Spurs being diabolical. So, so a lot of injuries, to be fair. Yeah. 
I just think that they are where they need to be, in my honest opinion, be in the mix for Europe. I think that's that's where they were meant to be anyway. So remember at the end of last night I said yeah, Newcastle owners shouldn't really be feeling a type of way if Newcastle don't make Champions League this season because last season they just overperformed and it's hard to maintain that level anyway and, and they're yeah, still building. Expectations 100%. Now, right now, it's just focus on consistently making Europe and then from there, see what the next step is. But for now, yeah, they're ahead in their projects anyway. I don't think even last season they expected to make Europe. I, I, if I remember clearly last season, we said if they make Conference League, it's a great season and they did way more yeah. than and they made Champions League true, and they've got into the game week six in the group of death with a chance of making it through. So fair enough, and that's with a heavily depleted squad. You saw them against Spurs today. Yes, they got patterned, but the squad is massively depleted, and yeah. they're running on fumes. Even Isak, he didn't look fit at all. Hundred percent. I think you guys owners just focus on recruitment. Yeah. Once they recruit to a level whereby they think. This team should be a consistent Champions League team. Then they can look at Eddie Howe and say, do we upgrade or do we give him the opportunity to challenge? But until they reach that point, they should relax. To be fair, because it also allows them to see what's out there in the managerial market. Because I was also thinking, this is not like the Mark Hughes situation where Mark Hughes was not to the quality, nowhere near the quality. Eddie Howe is still a quality coach. Yeah. But in terms of who is out there that can definitely elevate this Newcastle above what Eddie Howe has done? There's no definite candidate. Right, like at the in the upper tiers, yeah, it's literally just Pep and Klopp, and and Chelsea is literally one foot in retirement. Like everything below that is just young coaches with a bright future. Your Arteta's, your Alonso's, your Abelovas, uh, who are remember the youth team, your Raouls. It's just young prospects in terms of the managerial market, yeah. and you don't sack Eddie Howe for that. Nah, Newcastle should be should, should, should be waiting for their generational coach to come and elevate their project. Like what City did with with Pep. True, true. And if if they can if they can get the recruitment to a decent level, before they can get the generational coach, I can do what City did with Gen Pellegrini, Gen Mancini. It will be harder in this generation though because the landscape of the Premier League is harder. Oh yeah, yeah. Like Newcastle, Newcastle owners should not be thinking that that they're on the same time than a City. Back in that Premier League era, it took City what four years from takeover to first league title. In this in this area, it might be double fam because the competition is too high. Yeah, true. And you have Pep, you have the best coach in the twenty first century and a top five coach in the twenty first century in the league at the same time with an emerging generational coach. So look, it'll... And in the league, you're aware the money is now spread across the whole league, fam. Like even Villa are causing issues. Even Brighton are there, thereabouts. So. Newcastle owners to just relax, man. The main thing is recruitment and become a consistent Champions League team. If Howe fails to make them a consistent Champions League team with year-on-year recruitment, then they should look to um, cut, cut him away. But till then, just ride the wave, man. Enjoy the European away days, be it Europa League or... Con- okay, conference, it might be a stretch because they're, they're, they're way better than conference level from like Newcastle or Europa League side. That's the base level right now. That's the minimum, I think. Fourth, between fourth and sixth is the range they should be working at. <clears throat> also, but bear in mind, dude, with the new Champions League system, like, all it takes is the English side to do well and fifth place to get Champions League. So True. they shouldn't really be rushing to, you know, become what they're not yet. And with United, if what we expect to happen happens, they lose to Bayern, they lose to Liverpool. Is Ten Hag gone? Well, have, have, have you just even signed your papers? <laughs> no, I haven't. Like until it, until Sergeant Ratcliffe yeah, signs of them papers and becomes 
and and it was just twenty five percent. So he can now start making decisions. Yeah, nothing's happening on the ten half front for him. Like for me, yeah, let's see what Sir Jim Ratcliffe has has planned in it. If if I'm Jim Ratcliffe here, yeah, I am not strengthening Jambro. I'm gonna tell Ten Hag yeah, use what you have, and in summer, we'll reconvene and think about how best how best to move forward. But the main thing for United, yeah, forget about aspirations and them things there. 2024 should just be about recruitment. Getting actually moving the players on. Got yeah, got the squad first, like we said with Chelsea. They have to got the squad first because there's a lot of draws in the team. And also for United, you are. Bruno and Rashford have to become rotation players. The new Man United that they want, Bruno and Rashford cannot be starters. Like, obviously, all that selling stuff, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to be extreme. They still have their use. But as starters, and you want to become, they want to be competing for titles, they've proven that they're not the go-to guys. Look at Bruno getting booked before Anfield. That shit was on purpose because he was just chatting the referee's ear. Yeah. You, think he was ducking, you think he's ducking? Oh, he's honestly ducking because you know how much it takes to get booked by referee for 40 cent. Because most referees just, just ignore you. But he was annoying the referee to the point, yeah. If you're moving mad, then yeah, you get yeah. Your... Yeah, well, was annoying the referee to the point whereby the referee okay. booked him. Typical Bruno, United captain, you know, crazy. Bro, like yeah. Rashford, yeah, as I, I mentioned before, he's in that field walk up part of his career whereby he'll never be main man, but he'll be a great supporting cast. Unless he moves, of course, to like a PSG or something, so he can, you know, restart. Fresh scenery, differently. But the thing is, you say with fuck restart to refresh. Man said French league, bro. This guy ain't a you anymore. I don't know he's twenty six, and I think the next eighteen months are very key for Rashford's career. I feel like if this continues for fourteen out of the next eighteen months, yeah, he's due a purple patch. But if forty out of the next eighteen months he's performing like this then this is Rashford and there's nothing to cons- like he- there shouldn't be any expectation from him so you're spot on there I think a lot of United fans have been saying it my brother has been saying it for the longest in the U- new United like you said if you want to be where Arsenal are if you want to be where Liverpool are if you want to be where City are they can be your main men because look look at Arsenal's main man, Bukayo Saka in attack. Look at Liverpool's main man in attack, Salah. Look at Holland, uh, City's main man in attack, Holland. These are the main men in attack. Rashford is nowhere near them. If you look at in midfield, don't have to be offensive, just midfield players, you have Declan Rice, City have Rodri. To be fair, Liverpool's midfield is not that great, so we can't take But then creative aspect, we have Trent Alexander. Or, or even IOP, I, 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 you for Bino, you had Henderson. Bino, yeah, but then in terms of creative, we have Trent Alexander-Arnold. Bruno, I don't care what people say about stats, is not as good as those players. Oh, Bruno is high volume, scattergun. It's not. It's not precise. So, United need to do that. Between, they need to find an identity of how they want to play moving forward. They need to get rid of players, and then they need to recruit to that style and get a manager to that style. Because for me, Ten Hag, it's a matter of whether or not if he's gonna get sacked, he's. Been oh yeah, yeah, like like directly for yeah. much needs to be said about him. You see how um Abramovich did with Ranieri. Abramovich was just recruiting for the next coach, and Ranieri was just there to, to oversee the transition. Next season, if Fakhri is serious, that's going to be Ten Hag oversee the, the transition. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets rid of Ten Hag, so that a manager can have a preseason. True, true. To be fair, it's down to Fakhri. If he wants to rip, rip off the bandage straight away and go all change, I don't care how we how bad we do, just strip it and rebuild again. I wouldn't be surprised either, my honest opinion. 
Nah, but let's see. It's gonna. It'll be interesting to see what we see both about Newcastle and United's week. But let's see what happens next weekend. Liverpool. Yo, yo, don't forget Chelsea fam. Like, we discussed Chelsea fam. Like, looking spooky over that bridge fam. Nah, it's it, it's looking spooky, and the reason why I feel like it's looking spooky, I felt that I didn't think Chelsea were gonna be that great this season, but I thought they'd be like a eight, eight, yeah, eighth, seventh low-key push for Europa League, they look like a certified mid-table team, like certified mid-table. And look, how long has Boli been here for? 18 months, two years? I think that's long enough to give judgment on his reign. And his reign has been a total failure at the moment. Yes, you're saying you're building for the future, but for you to build for the future, your presence still needs to be solid. It's not that. They're saying build for the future, but they're spending a premium on overrated young players for a billion on already young players here is not the smartest thing to do when you're saying you're trying to build. He should be, he should be shopping in the 30 million pounds to 50 million pound market here if he wants to do this gimmick of, oh, we're building for the future. But why don't you spend 100 million on Enzo six months in 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 a, in a, in a European league, 150 on Caicedo, less than 50 preferences here? You will not be judged as a building project. You'll be judged as where's the results now. So a choice on this weird place of limbo where they've overspent on players here who do not have the experience, they do not have the know-how. Like, that's, they... that's what I mean, that the, the present needs to be solid because for your present to be solid, you have players that have the experience, you have players that have the know-how. Like, for example, now, look at Caicedo and Enzo. They're coming for a lot of money. Yes, I know it's a different time frame, but imagine if in this Chelsea team, they had they also had Essien, Makalele and Lampard. Those players wouldn't be starting every week, but then one week it would be Lampard and Enzo. So Enzo can be playing with an experienced player and finding his feet, then Caicedo, and then all of a sudden it's Caicedo and Enzo. They have enough minutes under their legs, winning games, playing in big games, managing leads next to these experienced players. But now they need to come and they need to be the experienced ones. They need to be the ones that have the know-how, but they don't. They just don't. So that's why I think it's been a complete and utter failure. Um, yes, we said they needed to fix their spine, but we didn't mean fix their spine with inexperience. Fix their spine with experience and quality. And like for, for a billion, I mean, I'm just deep in the possibilities that they could have went down. They could have even spent half the money and still gotten better players with mileage in their legs. Yeah. Now, if I have a billion to spend here, they could have went to every mid-table club here and taken their best players. Yeah. And, and Buemo would be Chelsea's best winger. Ivan Tony would be their best striker. Uh, which mid-table club has a top midfielder for them? They should really. They fumbled rice. Let's, let's, let's put it out there, fam. Rice, just Jalpalinia as well. Yeah, they could have. They could have really easily paid out what fully wanted for Jalpalinia in the summer. In terms of defense, which top centre backs in the league, fam? That are. To be fair, I think they might have gone to go into Europe for, for that. I'm not, not gonna lie. Yeah, for for centre backs to help Chelsea, yeah, <laughs> going to Europe for that. But what they've done, like, it's just a disgrace, and the fact that if Everton. Everton are now six points behind them with the point deduction. Without the point deduction, Everton four points ahead. Four points ahead in tenth. That Everton will be tenth without the point deduction. Yeah, yeah they'd, they'd be very close to Brighton and Brentford at the minute. Yeah, in a, a push for for conference league. Yeah, and big up Eddie Howe, and he must be fuming because so Sean Dyche, Sean Dyche, you mean? So not Eddie Howe, Sean Dyche, because he must be fuming because he was pushing Everton back to where they belong. Yeah. Everton are a team that flirt with Champions League, don't really get it before to Europa League and now Conference League. 
he was getting them that they are there to be fair but the point of the deduction is just shake them yeah, absolutely shake them absolutely shake them but as I said don't seven wins right now six more wins six more draws and they're safe bro because let's be honest here as well as Luton have, have, have done in the last couple of weeks I don't see Luton getting more than 30 points or any of the bottom three so anything about 30 points Everton are safe so that's that's what they can do that they can sleep easy but yeah man let's not give a shout out to Luton man like they, 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 they're fine. They, they're fine. From like yeah, they, 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 they have a structure. They have a way of playing, and I, I actually understand where they're coming from. They didn't expect to get from away, so they were like instead of trying to waste money to stay up here, which might not happen, just bank the money, improve the facilities, and be ready for when they come back up. So yeah, I say keep an eye on them. They could do a Brentford once they go back down. You know, we build again, get their new stadium done as well, and they'll probably do a Brentford manager because. Their, their manager, Rob Edwards, quality, quality manager. Fair play. Now, I like that shout out, guys. Keep an eye out for Luton. And guys, take care.